Are you ready to close this series this morning? Uh, turn in your Bibles, uh, grab those, to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. While you're turning there, I'll, uh, I'll get us going here this morning, this message. Um, have, you ever, have you ever been uh, flown on an airplane and wished that you could fly uh, first class instead of having to go... Isn't it amazing how they put the first class section in front and you have to walk through first class to get to coach, to get to the cheap seats? Have you ever noticed how that works? Uh, or, or maybe you've wished you could go to a, a baseball game or a, a sporting event and sit in the VIP booth. Um, my son Josh called me Friday. We were supposed to have lunch Friday. And he called and said, Dad, I can't make lunch today. I'm, I've, got a, I've got tickets to the ball game. And so he was, he was going to go get to watch the Royals play on Friday night and uh, watch them win the game. Of course, pretty good game to watch if you're going to watch one. And uh, not only was he going to get to go to the game and watch the game, he was going to sit in the diamond booth and watch it as a VIP. And I said, you know, Josh, somewhere along the way, I went terribly wrong. <laughs> because uh, when you go to events like this in your work, you, you get free tickets. It doesn't cost you anything. You get to sit in the VIP booth and when I go on trips and take my clients with me, I go to third world countries and sit on dirt floors. <laughs> and I have to pay. There's just, I went terribly wrong somewhere. Uh, thanks for inviting me, your old dad to go with you, Josh. You know, I'm a client, but apparently not that kind. So it's just nice, isn't it, to be able to sit in in VIP setting. The, the thing that you need for VIP seating is VIP status. You need some sort of access, don't you? Uh, just like you need access, keys give you access to your house or your car, you need access. And that's what we've been talking about in this series is, is Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom. He gives us full access to God's kingdom. God has also established a family. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God. It's also the family of God. God's our king, and he's our good, good father, as we've been singing about in a new song we've just learned. Jesus reminds us that we are members of God's household. That's what we're going to read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, your fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You're in God's house. You're in his, so you're not only in his kingdom, you're also in his family, aren't you? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Because you are sons, God has sent you forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's like saying, Daddy. Daddy. We get to say daddy because he's adopted us as his own. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Isn't that awesome news? That we're not only in his kingdom, we are his children. And he is our perfect father. If we're children, we're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So through Jesus, we have full access 
to God's kingdom and to God's family. It's pretty good news. We're created, God, God created a family to love and to populate his kingdom. Therefore, we have to know that God loves marriage and God loves family, doesn't he? Because he established that. That was his way of, of bearing his image, and we'll see that in a moment, and populating his kingdom. Remember now, we just said God loves marriage and God loves family. Let's read what he says to his people in Malachi chapter 2, verse 11. Judah, a part of his people, has dealt treacherously and an abomination, this is something that's horrific in God's sight, has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. Marriage is a holy institution of God, isn't it? He, is, he goes on to say, he, Judah, has married the daughter of a foreign god. God told them, I, here's the people I want you to marry. I want you to marry so that I will have a holy people. And they were not following God's instruction. So they were profaning the holy institution of marriage that God has established for us. So we could say it this way. We should love what God loves, right? And we should hate what God hates. So we could say, we could say this. Uh, godly people love what God loves. Ungodly people love what God hates. So we need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Everybody agree with that so far? A few of you agree with that? Most of you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So as followers of Jesus... We also need to not only love what God loves, but we need to care about what God cares about. And I'm just here today to, to tell you, friends, that second only, second only to the importance of the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, God wants marriage to be healthy and, health, and have to have healthy marriages and families. Everything else hinges on this. Jesus came to rescue us, and he came to, so that we could be adopted. So first we need to be rescued, and then we need to be adopted into God's family as his children. The, so the most important message on, in the kingdom of God is that he wants to rescue us. The second most important message in the kingdom of God is that he wants us to have healthy marriages and families. We all agree with that so far? Very, very important. Everything in society hangs on this. In fact, I go to, uh, periodically, I go to various other, I just mentioned to other countries periodically, third world countries and so. Everywhere I go, it, it doesn't matter where I go, if I go to India or I can go to Honduras or Nicaragua or wherever I go, when I talk to pastors and do training and so, every single one of them, if, I'm, if I ask the question, what would you like to have training on, what would make life easier for you? How would it be better for you in your ministry if we were to provide some training for you? Every single time, the thing that's on top of the list is marriage and family. We want to know how to raise our kids to be godly kids. We want to know how to be in healthy marriage relationships. It's a universal problem. It's a universal challenge. And as we've said, everything in society hinges 
on our relationship with God and the way God's nature and character gets lived out through marriage and family. Everything hangs in the balance based on that. That's why we're spending a lot of time and money developing resources here at Eastside, and we're finding as many resources as we can to help in this, in this area. I want all of you to put on your calendars now, February 12th and 13th, we're going to have an XO conference just like we had last year, and we'll simulcast it. We've invited Eastminster Presbyterian Church. They'll be here with us, and we're, we're going to try to invite as many people as possible to come and, and in, invest in their marriage relationship. We constantly need that. Kathy and I have been married 33 years now. We constantly need to, to be reminded of what we need to be doing and focusing on our relationship. It doesn't just happen all by itself, does it? We need to constantly be working on our marriage relationships. In Matthew chapter 16, we've been reading this passage of Scripture over the last few weeks. Jesus said, I will build my church, didn't he? We've been reading that, and what he's really saying there is, I will build my family, because the church is the bride of Christ. This is his family he's talking about. He goes on to say, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a very important subject for Jesus, then, isn't it? This is what he gives his life for. In fact, I'm going to make a, a, a big statement that, that I think is very, very true, and that is apart from rescuing and redeeming those who are far from God, building and leading the church is the most important thing on the mind of Jesus. Still to this day, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us and he leads us through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like he promised he would. This, this, it's incredibly important, second only to rescuing and redeeming people who are lost and far from him. What's on his mind most is the, the church and the health and the growth and the development of the church. Why? Because the church is the bride of Christ. We are. We are the church. We are his bride. Now, that's why, incidentally, Norm mentioned earlier that we're doing a, no, another membership class on, on November 15th. It's called Catch the Vision. If you haven't been through that class yet, I want to invite you to come. It'll be right after second service. I want you to come to that class and go through that with us. I'll share our vision and mission and why we do what we do and what we believe, and so we'll have lunch for you. It's very important because why, why is that important? It's because we're a family. And as, as we are family together, we need to know what we're doing together and why we do what we're doing together and what we believe in, and in some cases why we don't do some of the things we don't do. So I want, if you haven't come there, if you haven't come to that class yet, if you haven't come to the Catch the Vision class, or if you haven't been to the Catch the Vision class for a long time, it'd be good for you to come and just get a refresher. So the 15th of November, I want you to be there. Sign up for that and, and plan to be there because we're a family. Marriage and family is a reflection of God. That's why God made the first family. I'm not talking about the one in the White House now. I'm talking about the very first. He made them too, but, but I'm talking about the very first family. That's why he made them, Adam and Eve. So the rest of this message, much of it is going to be adapted from a message that some of our staff 
watched and heard while recently while we were at a conference. And uh, Jimmy Evans, if you want to know where this came from, uh, this illustration, Jimmy Evans is the one that did this. Uh, he's the pastor at Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas. And uh, he also leads Marriage Today, the ministry that we're, we're partnering with to bring the simulcast and so forth to Wichita. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And let's read what God has to say to us here. And, and I'm going to emphasize a few words because I want you to pay attention to exactly what God says because he says it exactly the way he wants us to hear it. Okay? It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if you have your outlines, follow along, you're going to want to fill this out, because God says to us in this passage of Scripture, He gives us four reasons why He created marriage and family. And the first reason is He created marriage and family to replicate God's nature and image on the earth. <clears throat> he wants to replicate His nature and His image on the earth. Okay? Now, this morning we've got some special guests. Maybe some of you have noticed that there are people dressed uh, in ways that people don't normally dress here at Eastside. And uh, you may be wondering, well, what's the pastor up to this time? And uh, so I'm going to tell you, because we have some special guests, first I want to introduce you to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, would you come up? Uh, many of you have been waiting, thought, thought you wouldn't get to see Adam and Eve until you got to heaven, but here they are. Okay, say hi, Adam and Eve. This, this is where they're here this morning. Glad, glad you're here. Now, I want to I wanna notice one more time, just look back at the passage of Scripture we just read one more time. And notice what God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Skip down to verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right? Now, does, how many of you think here today that Eve, or woman, is created in the image of God. Do you, you believe that? Do you believe that Eve is created? I heard a lot of female voices. Um, men, you want to try again? How many of us believe that uh, the woman was made in the image of God? We all believe that, right? And so, male and female, he created them in his image. So, this may make you nervous. We all realize, right, that there is a maternal side of God's nature, right? Because he created us this way. I'm not saying God's female, I'm not, God's spirit, right? But part of God's nature and character is a maternal, nurturing part of his nature, and that's who he is. So male and female, he created them, he created us, right? Now, in 
Ephesians, Paul helps us understand the role of husbands and wives and the mystery and the way that's connected to the church. We're going to see that more in just a moment. But he says that the husband is given the role of leadership and headship and to lead the family as he follows Christ. To love his wife the way Christ loves the church. And when God created woman... He gave her a name. In the, in the Hebrew, the name is Azer. And you know what Azer means in Hebrew? Azer means that she is going to have power and strength, that she's designed to be Adam's equal, a power-filled helper to supply what is lacking. Anybody want to say amen to that? <clears throat> so when God created Adam, he went... It's not good for him to be alone. I will create a helper who will supply what is lacking. She will have the we're, we're equals created for different purposes to complete what is lacking in one another. We all tracking so far? Now, it's interesting that God said Adam should not be alone. And when Jesus was about to leave the church, his bride, it's recorded in John chapter 14. When Jesus was about to leave his bride, the church, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I will send to you a helper. You know that in Hebrew, it's the same word that he used when he created Eve. He says, I'm going to create a helper, an azer in Hebrew, and the Holy Spirit, the same name, same word, is used for the Holy Spirit. Read it. It's in, you read Hebrew, right? It's in the scriptures. It's the same word. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to bring, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will empower you to complete the tasks that you've been given, and he will complete what is lacking in you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? To realize that when God created Adam and Eve, he creates Eve to carry the characteristics and the nature of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the nurturer. And that's what Jesus says he will send to us when he sends the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now can we have uh, Elohim come and join us? Uh, as Elohim is coming, I'll just tell you what Elohim means. It means, it means God, it means the the masculine form of God in the plural. We know that from Scripture, all over Scripture, all over God's Word, we know that the, the Lord is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? We know that from the very first three verses of the Bible, that the Word was with God and the, and the Spirit was with God and that God was creator of all of heaven and earth. So this, isn't it good to have God in the church? It's kind of nice isn't it, when we can meet for church that God's with us? Uh, and so this is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Are we tracking so far? It's the triune God. That's what, that's what God, it's who God is. This is what he looks like. And God says, in the image of God, he created man. Now, Eve, would you step back for just a second? Now, 
Let me just ask a second. Now, we all know that when we read the Bible, we know that God created Adam and placed Adam here on earth, and he gave Adam some jobs. Adam's, Adam's job was to name all the animals. It must have taken a long time to do that. So we know that Adam was here for a while before God created Eve. So let me just ask you a question. If, if God created man in his image, does this look like this? It's not a trick question. Somebody said, no, it doesn't. And, and even if when Adam creates Eve, if God created man in his image, does this look like this? It still doesn't look like this. So God, would you come and join Adam and Eve? This is God the Father. You didn't know you were going to meet God in all of his forms today, did you? Now, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, I will create, we will create them in our image. Now, does, we know that Adam doesn't look like, alone doesn't look like this, and the two of them together don't look like this, but tell me now, does this look like this? And the reason it does is because now they are three in one, right? This represents or reflects the character and nature of this. Let me tell you how marriage math works. The way marriage math works is two united with one are one. That's the way marriage math works. Two united with one are one. And as long as those two are united with God together, they stay one. Just as three in one are here, now three in one are here, this is the image of God on earth. Since the beginning of time, as we know it, this is what God has wanted his family to look like. This is marriage. This is family under God's lordship, under his care, under his protection, under his provision. This is both God's kingdom on earth and his family on earth okay now we've seen the original god we've actually seen genesis first two chapters or so we've seen the way he created us three and one to be together now would god and the bride and jesus come and join us looks a little bit like a wedding doesn't it it looks like a wedding because it is one. In Revelation chapter 19, we read that one day we will be united with Jesus. We, meaning the bride of Christ, the church, will be united with Jesus in marriage. This is the Spirit-filled bride of Christ. This is all of us, filled 
with the Holy Spirit, united together with the Savior in marriage. And this is what Revelation 21 and 22 looks like. You see, this is the first two chapters of the Bible. This is the last two chapters of the Bible. We're still somewhere in between, and this is what God wants His image to look like here on earth. Jesus said in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. It's true. He said, if it wasn't true, I would tell you this. I'm truly going to come. So where's Jesus now? It's not a trick question. Where's Jesus now? Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us, right? And one day he is going to call us the Spirit-filled bride of Christ. So now this is us filled with the Spirit, united with Jesus forever, and God the Father the family of God forever together. Just the way God has always wanted it. The problem is Genesis 3. You see, in Genesis 3, we see that God's original intention for creation gets sort of maligned, doesn't it? And in Genesis 3, when, when Satan, when the enemy of God, comes to attack Adam and Eve, they're not just attacking, he's not just attacking Adam, and he's not just attacking Eve, he's attacking God. He wants to take God out. And if he can, if he can split marriage, if he can, get, if he can somehow get Adam to turn away from God, or Eve? Is it three and one now? No. It's not. And this, or some version of this, is what way too many children grow up watching, friends. Everybody, Adam, you can come back. I want you to stand back here all shameful. Here. Friends, the biggest battle on the planet is in marriage and family. Why? Because Satan knows if he can take out marriage and family, he can take out God's plan for his kingdom here on earth. He also knows that children need desperately to grow up in a marriage that reflects and represents the oneness, the three-in-one-ness of God. God, in all of His fullness, the kingdom and the family of God, and here, together, forever. This is what God wants. This is His image. This is what it means to be made, to be created in the image of of God. Would you please thank our wonderful
So the first reason God creates marriage and family is to replicate God's nature and image here on earth. Secondly, it's to extend His kingdom authority here on earth. He has all power and all authority here in heaven, but when He creates us, He extends His kingdom power and authority here on earth. That's why He says very clearly in Genesis 1 and 2, He gave Adam and Eve dominion. He said, rule over. Why would he say that? Because he has given us the ability to rule over the earth, to subdue it, to have dominion over it. The problem is the enemy of God wants that rule. He wants dominion. He wants to be in control. He wants to take God out. So what does he do? He attacks in a sneaky way. He attacks Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and they unwittingly handed over their dominion to Satan. It's one of the reasons Jesus comes to earth. He says, the Bible tells us, Jesus comes to earth to destroy the works of the enemy. He's the only one who can, friends. He's the only one who can overcome the power of the enemy. And he has. He's done that. The battle is done. The enemy is defeated. Jesus, Jesus won, by the way. And as followers of Christ, we are on the winning side. And we get to live in God's kingdom authority. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, God says to his people, okay, well, if you want a king, have a king. Let me give you a little bit of the backstory. God's people were watching all of the other people groups who didn't follow God, and they all had a king. And they said, well, we want a king too. And God said, I am your king. They said, yeah, but we can't see you. We want a king we can see. We want one we can put a crown on. We want one that's going to be in a castle. We want one that's going to be in charge and be a warrior and a fighter. And so, and so he said, you know, if you have a king, he's going to put your sons in war. He's going to, he's going to tax you. He's going to form a government. You realize that a government under God's authority was never God's idea. It was our idea. But God said, well, if you want a king, I'll let you have a king. That's what he says in, to the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7. He says, the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, they have rejected me from being king over them. So when we ask for a government of our own, what we were really saying was, God, we don't want you to be our king. We want to have our own king. You realize that God promises all through Scripture that he will provide, he will protect, and he will empower us. Do you know what governments believe their role is? A government believes its role is to provide, protect, and empower. Right? That's why people who have a small God want a big government. And people who have a big God want a small government. That's why. Because a lot of people believe that government is where their provision is going to come from. And government was where their protection is going to come from. And government was where their power is going to come from. And that is just wrong, friends. It doesn't work that way. 
Every man-made government is temporary and fallible and made up of men and women. Right? God has given us, His children, the keys of the kingdom. We can live in, in love in our marriages and our families under His authority. He is our King. He is our Father. The third reason God created marriage and family is to generationally perpetuate the nature of God and the values of His kingdom. To generationally perpetuate that. See, marriage and family causes us to act like and look like God. And our children and our family and our friends get to see what that looks like when we live under the Lordship of God. When we live in oneness in relationship with God, then we begin to more and more exhibit who He is. We live and we think and we act and we love and we give grace and we give forgiveness and we give generosity and we give all of the nature, patience, and long-suffering, and we serve, we think of others first. That's the way we live when we live under the lordship and fatherhood of God. And when that happens, we reflect who He is, and our children watch that as they grow up. And they watch, and they get to learn what God looks like and what God is like. And then they understand what it means to follow God as Father and as King and as Lord. You see, I believe a lot of kids that are turning away from God, that turn their backs on God and reject God and the church, I think what happens a lot of times is they do that because they've never seen a good example of what it looks like to follow God in their homes. So here's the, here's the way this works. As we, you saw this image of who God is. If we live as God as three in one, then we naturally take on God's character and His nature. And that spiritual truth and DNA gets imprinted on the hearts and minds of our children from day one. That's why Scripture says, teach a child the way he will go, he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. You know why? Because that spiritual imprint and truth and love and character and nature of God is so indelibly imprinted on that little, little, little boy or girl's heart. They'll never forget it. They can't walk away from it. Maybe temporarily they'll come back because it's imprinted on who they are. The fourth reason God created marriage and family is to multiply God's human family with righteous offspring. In Malachi, all through the book of Malachi, God is imploring his people to come back to him. He's imploring his people, come back to me. Be in relationship with me. Be my righteous offspring. Be my children. Trust me for protection and for provision and for power. Don't look to some other 
government or place or or any other thing come back to me he's saying he says he says in Malachi 2:15 not one has done so who's a remnant of my of the spirit and what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring take heed in your spirit to your spirit let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth you need to read the context there god is imploring his people to raise their children with righteousness and holiness so that his nature and his character will be replicated in their hearts. As we've already said, whatever God wants to build, the enemy wants to destroy, right? That's why this is such a battleground. That's why this is so that's why this is so challenging. Here's the deal, friends. If you're married, I don't care how long you've been married, we all struggle in our marriage relationships in some ways, don't we? I mean, Kathy and I have been married for 33 years now. She's not here this morning, not because we're struggling at the moment, but she's, <laughs> she's actually in Ulysses, Kansas, ministering to another church this morning. But there are moments, there are moments when we struggle, now fortunately, praise God, we've learned how to work through those times. So they don't last very long now. But here's the deal. We know that if we're struggling periodically, we all struggle. In some ways, at various points. And God wants us to come to Him and just struggle openly. You, you know what? causes a lot of times a lot of what leads to the irreconcilable differences is when we try to keep it hidden when we're too proud to ask for help friends we're all going to need help from time to time is that true we're all going to need help we all are let's do this together we're a family let's just do this together if you need help ask for help He's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us everything we need. My question for you this morning is, first of all, do you know him? Do you really know the Father? Do you have that kind of intimacy that we just saw? Is it, is it a kind of oneness where there's a relationship and connection and you talk to him and he talks to you. Do you know him? Do you know and live in his truth? Are you in his family through a relationship with Jesus? Are you? What has God been saying to you in this time that we've had together? What's he shown you What's he saying to you as a result of our time together? From his word, from his heart to yours. You know, my prayer all week, knowing that this message was, was ordained of God and for this time and this place and for each one of us. You're, here, you're not here by accident. 
we're all here because God wanted us here and he wanted us to hear what he has to say. So what has he been saying to you this morning? What's he been saying to you if you're married? What's he been saying to you about your marriage relationship? If you're a parent, what's he been saying to you about your parenting? In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then I want to invite you to come and pray here as couples or as individuals. Because I believe God's speaking to a lot of people today. I said this at 9 o'clock. We had a lot of people come and pray at 9 as couples and as individuals. I've, I've believed all week long that God is going to do a powerful thing in our lives today as he communicates his truth of who he is and what he wants us to experience in relationship with him. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, as we bow before you this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will do everything that needs to be done in each one of our hearts and minds, in each one of our lives, in every marriage, and in every family. Or do what only you can do. Pour out blessing and provision and grace and Bring healing and restoration. Help us through the struggle, Father, so that your will would be done and we live in all of the ways that you have called us to live. In fullness of life, in relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.